Now, for something completely different, from east of the Rockies, here's Brian Wilson. Well, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, people of all sexes, and those of you selling UFO debris on eBay, time once again for something completely different. The week so far, featuring the linguistic stylings and deft wordsmithing of scribe extraordinaire James Bovard, author of Lost Rights, Feeling Your Pain, and his work in progress, jokes my congressman told me to restore my faith in government. It'll oh. be available just in time for Christmas, complete with crayons and a box of genuine red tape. Welcome, James. Hey, Brian, that's uh, some great humor for the lead-in. I appreciate that. Well, you need it today, as I understand it. The, uh... So I was uh, racing to get some stuff done today, and my new Dell computer, just the power supply died. I spent an hour and a half on with tech support, and the guy says, well, take off this and pull that cord out and pull this. Ooh, still doesn't work. Strange. So I have a suggestion for Dell to uh, use a uh, famous line from Dorothy Parker as their new company motto, and that is, what fresh hell is this? <laughs> well, you know what I wonder about, and it's something that, you know, it's not one of those earth-moving subjects that you hope will uh, change the course of humanity, but they, it does, uh, and I don't know when it started. Uh, I honestly didn't uh, didn't keep track, wasn't aware enough to write down the, you know, the date and time that it first happened. But it boggles my mind that banks, uh, computer companies, software companies, Places like that that require some degree of knowledge and ability to communicate and technical information broken down to simple terms and so on, and they assign it, you know, to somebody in a phone bank in the Philippines or Jakarta or Bangkok or whatever, and uh, there's no way to understand them. They get insulted when you tell them you can't understand them or talk louder as if that's going to fix everything. And Cassie uh, has gotten to the point now where, you know, she just keeps asking for somebody who can speak English, somebody who can speak English, which is more effective than me just hanging up. But where did that idea come from? I understand it saves money, I'm sure, rather than paying somebody with a advanced degree in underwater basket weaving here. But nevertheless, you would think that there would be enough concern for customer relations, uh, remaining competitive, encouraging new sales, that they would um, they would get off that bandwagon. What do you think? I don't know. Uh, Dell is famous for this. So, I mean, and it's always my standard to avoid calling computer tech assistance um, unless my house literally got hit by lightning almost and a, a totally dead power supply in a new computer qualifies for that. But, well, yeah. you know, I fixed a lot of issues or, you know, did the computer version of duct tape can't survive, but uh, no such luck today. So, so I mean, it's sad to be starting a Brian Wilson show and have already exhausted all my profanity. True. Well, cheer up. we got a few minutes. Some of it may come back to you. Or we can wait and you can reboot. That's the ultimate cure for everything. But uh, I did want to uh, talk with you about several things uh, this time around. First of all, a couple of days ago, you posted at uh, jimbovard.com on your blog uh, a little piece, Decorum Propels DC Deceit. And uh, you go into you know the recent shenanigans at the State of the Union address and, and put that in some historical context with other people, other times, other places. But I think everybody Everybody's reasonably familiar with that chain of events. And you know, some of the thoughts I had, some questions I had was, what, what if the House of Representatives actually 
performed a worthy imitation of the British House of Commons. I mean, what if the next uh, State of the Union address, and I suppose it's entirely possible now that the mold has been broken, but uh, pragmatically, what would happen to, or what might still happen to those people who were um, behaving badly during this most ponderous of all events? Well, it's interesting. You mentioned the British custom. Uh, the British have uh, question time, and that's certainly for the cabinet ministers, maybe it's for the prime minister as well. And it's sort of like a, a high-toned version of bear baiting, where there's, you know, there's a person in front of the, uh, there by the uh, lectern, and all the members of the uh, opposition party just basically take turns taunting the guy with questions and smack him around. And uh, it's a wonderful t tradition. I'm sure that Joe Biden would have excelled if he had to um, explain his policies in such a uh, venue. Uh, but it's a part of the frustration with the State of the Union is that it's just, it is a custom that is designed for absolute deference. Uh, people are supposed to be uh, like trained seals, applauding, standing up, standing ovation, nodding, and you know all this stuff. And it it doesn't really it doesn't matter who the president is. They're probably going to tell a bunch of howlers. And it was funny to see their media response. Some of the media upset at the heckling that Biden received last week. But um, I mean, if someone's slandering you, okay, you heckle them. I mean, I don't have trouble with that. Sh shoot, I've been heckled lots of times. Yeah, well, I, I was just trying to curious from the standpoint. There was the uh, Joe Wilson, uh, no relation, incident uh, so many, uh, some years ago. What what if, you know, they make all this deal about protocol and decorum and so on, and yet if you press further and say, well, what if I don't? What if I do like the government's doing right now on so many different issues if I just press the ignore button? Am I going to get my wrist slapped? Or are they going to take away my parking pass? Do I not get uh, the cheap uh, haircut or the discount on gasoline? What tangibly, practically goes towards disciplining a member or members uh, who decide to step, uh, step out of bounds, color outside of the lines? Good question. I think the party, the leadership might have some levers not a great deal, but I mean, with the uh, response to Biden, there were enough members of Congress who were uh, heckling him or making comments during his speech that you really can't say, okay, you know, a third of the mem or GOP members of the uh, House and Senate are, are, are not going to be allowed to go to the uh, next um, open bar night. So, don't know. It's unfortunate how the State of the Union has evolved because it's almost always mostly a bunch of hokum. And it's uh, basically the uh, train seal version of democracy. Biden had uh, had a line. Uh, he had a lot of lines that kind of rankled me, but he was uh, playing the therapist in chief. And he was uh, he said that that uh, prior to him becoming president, Americans had lost their pride and their sense of self-worth. But now they're getting it back. And I'm thinking, Uncle Joe, you know, talk to your speechwriters. That was horrible. Yeah, I wonder if they just uh, keep pressing that same conduct, that same line of conversation, whether it's the press briefing or uh, meet the press or face the nation or anything. They just keep repeating and repeating and repeating these things that are provably wrong, contrary to to just about anybody's common sense or awareness of current events. And yet they do them with staring straight into the camera, no flinching, no twitching, no nail biting. And and they seem impervious to any criticism at all. You had in at the end of your piece on your blog, 
you said there's an easy way to prevent uh, future breaches of decorum by testing members of the opposition party. The president should begin his speech by taking the same oath to testify honestly that is routinely required of witnesses at congressional hearings. If a president makes a false statement in the State of the Union, he could then be prosecuted and face up to five years in prison. The provision would be crafted to permit citizen lawsuits that the Justice Department could not stifle to shield presidential deceits. Personally, I would find that much more satisfying than hollering at the president. I posted up there on your blog, I said, while attractive to the point of enticing, what chance would such a law have to successfully run the gamut of government legislating to actual enactment, only to be immediately challenged to the SCOTUS roulette? Well, see, sometimes it's fun just to be an idealist. <laughs> I thought you gave that up for Lent a decade uh, ago. Actually, I was trying it for Lent. I mean, oh, I had to, uh, yeah, I mean, it's a uh, real shift in gears, but it's interesting because you listen to these uh, presidential speeches. It was 20 years ago that George W. Bush was whipping up a bunch of nonsense to drag the nation into war against Iraq. And he had so many false statements. And yet, I mean, he's uh, he's president. He's got de facto sovereign immunity, no matter what lies he tells. Uh, so, and the same with uh, Obama, Trump, Bill Clinton, um, and maybe even Biden. Well, you know, the, the thing about it is, you know, it's not just presidents and the State of the Union. I mean, that's front of mind. It's the, it's the big picture that we're shooting at. But I was thinking when you talked about uh, being under oath, just like the, the witnesses at congressional hearings. Well, what about the House and Senate committees at those same meetings? I mean, that recent one about uh, the weaponizing of government and whatever his name was, Raskin with the towel on his head and AOC and so on, get up there and they just blather on about January 6th that has no relevance whatsoever to the subject that was there under discussion or the ultimate goal of the committee. But they use their time to get in all this propaganda and lies and distortions and so on. Why, why wouldn't congressmen and senators also have to take the same oath when they're operating on that committee? Simple reason. It's important for them to have the right to lie to us in order to serve us. Oh, okay. Okay. They see the simple fact overlooked by my inability to focus on the big picture. I mean, there no, it is, right? it's it's a good question and it's it's a, a paradox. A paradox. Paradox is euphemism here. Mm -hmm. Uh if you see how the um See the the conduct and the false statements by the members of Congress in the hearings and elsewhere. And yet, these are the same people that are going to save us from disinformation. And it's like, you know, that's 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 one fantasy too many for me. Well, of course, they get to have the key to that encryption so that they can correctly identify what what's tantamount to mis and disinformation and what is the pure Delphic oracle truth that they're passing on to uh, to the rest of us. But um, moving right along, um, since we've pretty much. Uh, hashed out the Chinese weather balloons and all the uh, nonsense that's coming out of that. Something that's got a more serious tone is the situation in Palestine, Ohio. And I was thinking it's probably a, an understatement of audacious proportions to suggest or, or even think the lobbying and political efforts that went into creating the, the regulatory failures that led to the train derailment and all that pollution. So where do the appropriate authorities go to hold those accountable accountable since those who should be held accountable were the ones who actually created the problems at the behest of getting greased by the folks from K Street? 
Well, it's it hasn't worked out well to treat Norfolk Southern like it was Pfizer. Uh, so, you know, I haven't looked at the uh, laws on that. I know the the um, Congress and the federal agencies tend to kowtow to the regulated industries and uh, shaft the public on a routine basis. But it's it's chilling to see the um, video clips and the interviews from that uh, small town on the edge of uh, Ohio, Pennsylvania. So. But, you know, it's, it hasn't registered much here in D.C. It's more like, you know, there's nine other things that are uh, sexier or that uh, do better uh, service to the Biden agenda. Yeah, well, uh, as an aside to that, Tucker, I believe it was Tucker Carlson made mention of the fact he didn't cite, he didn't give attribution to where the information came from, but he uh, stated uh, without condition that the industry, the railroad industry's lobbyists had worked over Congress for something like two or three decades to see to it that the regulations required that would have prevented a derailment like this were never enacted, that the standards were lowered uh, so that they wouldn't have to spend the money or make the effort or go through the training, whatever the purpose was, whatever. But ultimately, it wound up in this. And so it's uh, curious, considering lobbyists and congressmen and senators and so on, whether or not they'll ever go down that path because there'd be, there would be enough room in the jails to hold everybody. But of greater concern... I think in, in following the story and the storyline and, and where this all leads to is the morphing of what was uh, quickly being referred to as the weaponizing of the Justice Department, the FBI, uh, the Department of Education, all these other alphabet soup agencies into a new concept of weaponizing government. Because as some commentators pointed out, the area of Palestine, Ohio, that, that general area, was about 75% for Trump in the last elections. And so the, the reasoning follows then that, well, you didn't vote for us, so no help for you, they're like the soup Nazi. And they're ignored, and Buttigieg is out making jokes and swinging on swings and taking care of babies and, and so on. And there's no, no real effort to do anything, even as much as warning the communities downwind from the spill that, hey, you know, there's this stuff in the air that really might make you sick or kill you or your cows or your fish or your kids or something along that order, all because of the resentment that they did not support the current administration. You know, I've heard that. A suggestion, that allegation. I don't know. I don't know if that's a factor. I mean, uh, federal agencies are so incompetent in general. I don't know that there needs to be a political bias, but perhaps that's added to it. I mean, I think back uh, some years ago, there was a huge uh, a spill that EPA did in Colorado that messed up the river there for a long time. And, uh, you know, EPA had no liability. Um, I've forgotten which way Colorado voted in the prior election, but there might be political bias, but I mean, this is also how the government tends to treat its victims or the victims of government negligence. I mean, if you look at the, the stuff with the burn pits in Iraq, Congress avoided uh, taking action or a remedy on that for decades. So I don't know, but it's, it's, it's suspicious and it's understandable that people would be very wary of uh, what the feds and the politicians are doing on this. Yeah, well... I don't know, maybe it's all just circumstantial evidence, but after a while, you know, you see something like like those EPA uh, situations with the water in Colorado, those, uh, where was it, up in Michigan, uh, the drinking water there in Jackson, Mississippi, right now still 
The drinking water there is uh, is not uh, consumable, and there is little or no uh, assistance from government. Of course, a lot of times people, I don't want any assistance from government. You know, I'm the government here to help. God, let me out of here. But the, when you think about it from the standpoint of the weaponizing, from holding people accountable for not voting for the guy who is in office who controls where the money goes and the authority goes, then you back up and say, well, has there been anything uh, similar to that? Well, this business with the with the weather balloons and so on. The failure for anyone in a position of responsibility in government to step up and explain in words of one syllable or less what it was, what happened, how, where, who's responsible, all this tap dancing and so on, the performance of the of the press secretary, the ignoring of FOIAs, the ignoring of subpoenas, the ignoring of questions, you know, these uh, the criticizing of uh, of non-supporters for having the body parts to ask questions and then not accepting the answers because they are factually incorrect. I mean, the whole thing starts to build up after a while. And through the, well, it may not be in this case or that case or some other case, but taken all together, there seems to be a pretty strong testimony to the fact that that government is very quickly and strongly swinging to a greater authority position, almost tyrannical in dealing with things that are otherwise protected by First Amendment, Second Amendment, Fourth, Fifth, Ninth, Tenth, and so on. Trends are bad. Yeah, trends are bad. And they may have accelerated under Biden. Uh, these are bad trends that have been around for a long time. It's always, as as journalists who's used the Freedom of Information Act off and on for over 30 years, I've been screwed so many times by federal agencies on that. Uh, I mean, and, and uh, some of the responses were just laughable. I sent a request to the U.S. Trade Representative Office to uh, get their files on me because uh, I'd had clashes with some of their folks. And I just kind of, I said, oh, I'm, I wonder what they wrote about me internally. So I filed the request and then got a formal response a few months later notifying me that USTR, the trade representative, had no information in their files on someone named Kevin Bovard. <laughs> <laughs> and I was thinking, uh, okay, Peace Corps. Peace Corps is an even uh, funnier example. So I was investigating them for their 25th anniversary back in 1986. And uh, there were some inspector general reports I wanted to get. And so I was talking to the guy in their counsel's office or who handles the Freedom of Information Act request. And I said, hey, I'd like to get all these uh, reports from the uh, early days of the Peace Corps, 1960s. He said, oh, those that's going to be so burdensome. Oh, there are so many reports. And he said, it would help us greatly. Instead of asking for the reports, you simply ask for the executive summaries. And I said, eh, okay, fine, I'll do that. And he knew I was on a tight deadline, and there was a date set to uh, come and get the uh, papers. So I showed up that day, and he kind of looks at me and says, well, you know, I got some bad news. I said, so you, uh, so you don't have the reports? He said, no, it turns out that instead of executive summaries, the reports had abstracts. So you've got to file a new request, and we'll start it all over again. And so people wonder why the article I wrote was so testy, but, you know, you yank the chain and you hear barking. So yeah, there you go. Although I suspect those people are getting uh, even better at their practice of the sanctimonious narcissism that seems to be the new way, the new way of dealing with plea pedestrians like you and me who have the gall to tug on the rope. Anyway, uh, I guess that is the way it is. And I don't know how you how can you put any teeth in a FOIA? You know how could they redo that so that there would be more more effective punishment 
whatever. Oh yeah. Well, there, there's there's a very simple way. You just add a add a provision to the law that says if the government doesn't respond fully and on on schedule, the FOIA officials go to jail. Ah, that'd be nice. Yeah, ain't but... gonna happen. Ain't gonna happen. But no, I mean, there's there are agencies that have got multiple years of delays. This is happening for the Presidential Records Act. It's it's there's funny piety. The National Archives is all upset that Trump and to a lesser degree Biden may have thwarted the will of the people by withholding the records. The National Archives deserves more blame than anybody else for Americans not having access to presidential records because they have let the system get completely jammed up. It takes years to get routine records because the archives treats the record request the same as a FOIA request, and that means that they can postpone it almost forever. And there are so many um, so many veto cards former government officials can use to block disclosure. It's a complete scam. Well, maybe they need to, we need a sexier name. I mean, who thinks about, you know, the archives, the National Archives? I mean, what is it? Who uses it? What's the, what's the, what's so necessary? Unless or until it comes into the crosshairs and then everybody, uh, you know, starts to get their panties in a wad, even though they don't really know entirely what they're talking about. But I did seem to recall either you or someone of uh, your caliber had mentioned that the organization of the National Archives from an administrative standpoint was uh, better than any of the worst jokes told on Laugh-In. But uh, it is what it is. And I suppose when you look at uh, Chinese balloons and toxic clouds over Palestine, Ohio, the organizational adeptness of the archives are probably further down the list of priorities. But on that note, I want to get a comment from you on uh, this business with Seymour Hirsch and his article on the Nord Stream pipeline uh, skullduggery. Is that what the balloon distractions are for? So that the fact that it hasn't been covered by mainstream media or any credible publication, assuming they still exist, because it was just too damning? Part of it is that Washington journalists don't like to read. And uh, <laughs> and and I'm serious on that. I mean, you know, they, they would much rather, you know, have lunch. So Seymour Hirsch is a national hero. He did great work on My Lai on Vietnam atrocities. He did great work breaking the Bush administration torture scandal. Yeah. I have a, a, a very high respect for him. I think that Seymour Hirsch has a hell of a lot more credibility than the Biden administration at this point, because the Biden folks basically aren't telling us squat about the uh, the blow up of that pipeline after Biden said that that pipeline would be put out of business if Russia invaded Ukraine. So the Biden administration, the U.S. government has gotten away with disclosing almost nothing about uh, that case. And it's, uh, as people have said, it's the biggest case of industrial espionage in modern history. So. And that doesn't prove the U.S. government did it, but Seymour Hirsch is credible. He's respectable. He does. He's done great work on many subjects, and it's an outrage that the uh, Washington Post, New York Times are not paying attention, or at least trying to respond to the issues he's raised. Because the Biden has gotten away with just completely sweeping this under the rug, and it's one more travesty. Yeah, well, the only thing I read, or well, a number of things I read from the different uh, sidebar publications, Politico, things along that order, were all disparaging. Snopes, uh, you know, if it has any credibility at all, is disparaging. It's, it still exists, so somebody believes it. But uh, uh, Snopes is well funded, so yeah, 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 well funded with money, not so much with any sort of intellect. I, uh, at least as far as the readers are concerned, because 
it's uh, predictable and and whatever. But um, I was concerned about the fact that something as significant as a world superpower harpooning another country's gas lines in the face of winter and and all the rest of that. Just, oh yeah, well, whatever. We're we're uh, we're not all that concerned about it. Well, look, I know you got places to go and things to do. And once again, thanks a lot for the time, James. You know, it's always a hoot sitting here with our uh, our little get together. And we'll see you next week. Hey, thanks a lot, and uh, try and stay out of trouble in Alabama this weekend. I know it's difficult. Yeah, not not a chance. Not a chance. James Bovard, uh, ladies and gentlemen, uh, and by the way, with Valentine's Day in the rearview mirror, our next big holiday, Jack Daniels' birthday, is not too far behind. And it's always good to have a bottle of JD handy when frolicking through the pages of a Bovard tome. You'll feel no pain after reading Feeling Your Pain or any of the other 10 books Mr. Bovard has inflicted on a needy public. These bestsellers and the entire library of Bovard's best can be found on Amazon, of course, and hidden behind other lascivious works in your local library. Just don't ask for them by name or you won't get your card punched. Jim and I will be back here uh, next week to take another look at the week so far. Make sure to mark your calendars and warn your friends just in case they may try to listen. For Jim Bovard and Joe Ted, our bus driver, purveyor of the new Tree Krispies, the breakfast cereal with all the fiber you need, I shall remain Brian Wilson until the warrant arrives. Make sure to visit our Facebook page and uh, tell everybody else to do the same. Something completely different will return when you least expect it. Pull the plug, Joe.